0: This, this podcast is going to include spoilers for Avengers Infinity War, so if that matters to you, or you know, in any way, shape, or form, consider yourself warned.
1: Welcome to Talkie Talk, the podcast from themediabias.com. Joining me today is Brent. Hello. And Kelly.
2: Hello. She's back.
1: I'm so excited. <laughs> um, we are sans TJ, he's busy at a wedding in Louisiana. And we are short a David, he is busy at his house with Louisiana. No, with his baby. Um, TJ's Louis doing together.
2: field research for True Blood. Yes, he's She's doing it. He's on assignment. Yeah,
1: we've, we've tried to make that joke so many times, <laughs> and none of the people at the table ever laugh at it, but I'm glad it's back, <laughs> that it's permeated the ethos. Uh, but today, we're going to be talking about our homework this week. Um, we had a new student today, so we made sure that uh, Kelly got the homework done as well. Um, she you know, got a completion grade for it. Uh, didn't finish it all, but, you know, I've done that plenty of times.
2: Satisfactory. <laughs> Satisfactory,
1: F-plus. yeah. Uh, but it's a movie that Brent assigned, uh, 12 Monkeys. Yeah, so, uh, I picked this movie for a
0: couple of reasons. First off, I thought it was something that at the very least, even if we didn't like it, we would have somewhat enjoy the process of watching it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't know if you had seen it ever or recently, and I thought it had been a while for you. It had definitely been a while for me. I saw this movie in 1995. When it came out, I was like 11 years old, trying to understand that movie. That did not go well. I did not <laughs> like that movie at all when I was a kid. Where were you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, anyway, yeah, it's, it, I figured it deserved a rewatch, and uh, it's about if anybody out there doesn't know, boy, the, how do you how do you boil this down to just a few sentences? Uh, Bruce Willis is a, an inmate in the year 2035 who. Uh, this is a world where most of the human population was wiped out due to a viral epidemic in 1996. He gets sent back in time to gather information about the outbreak. Not an attempt to change it, per se, but just an attempt to gather information, presumably so they can treat it in the future. Or they, track it and limit it. There's a big deal about him finding out like the path it's going to take. Right. And so it's 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 just about that. He he's chosen because he has an excellent memory. And that's why the these scientists from the future choose him, and it's a way for him to get out of his pardon, or to get a pardon. It kinda I guess the boy, there are really a lot of plot turns here. It uh yeah. it starts he is accidentally sent back to quote unquote accidentally. Yeah. Who knows if that's the case or not. But he is uh accidentally sent to nineteen ninety, at which point he is uh Put into a mental hospital, where he meets Brad Pitt. Uh, Brad Pitt's a mental patient in 1990, and boy, it's just there's this web of this plot just keeps going. Yeah. It's, it is really hard to boil down, but uh, it's kind of a noir movie in that it's like a you know a, a mystery. There's a, a a slight romance with a, a psychiatrist, and uh, it's kind of just unraveling the mystery. Of of how this virus got got unleashed on the world.
1: Yeah, it it really it it's hard to identify what's ever happening. Also, because it does that thing where we talked about it when we talk about insane, but where the protagonist, or at least the point of view character that you're with, um, is entirely unreliable. Not just like partially, not just that they might embellish things and the way they're portrayed on screen, but like because Bruce Willis is immediately put into a mental institution. Which, in the future, they say that's a byproduct. The whole time-traveling part, which is a cliche symptom of people with a myriad of disabilities, uh, could all be a facet of his imagination or mental disability. Um, so, so you kind of the plot makes itself as the movie progresses, and there's no real keystone moment where you go, "Yes, what is happening in 1990 or 1995 is real." Versus what is happening in 2035 is real. Yeah. I
0: feel like the easiest way to describe this is just, it's a Terry Gilliam movie. Yeah. Which should just, I don't know, if, you, if you're if you familiar with his movies, you just know that that in and of itself is going to make things extra weird, extra hard to follow
1: at yeah. times. Um, yeah, Kel, I don't know if you've seen a lot of Terry Gilliam, but have you seen Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? The it's like last
2: James Franco... Last One of the last
1: Heath Ledger movies. Oh,
2: James Franco's still alive. Yep. Uh, it's just his
1: career, career. that's dying. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
2: Um, I saw part of it. It was kind of odd.
0: Yes. Yes. <laughs> that is, that's Terry Gilliam. It's it kind of odd that I'm wondering if that's Terry Gilliam like toned down
1: a bit. Yeah. Yes.
2: Is he... I thought
1: so when I saw it.
2: Monty Python related? Mm-hmm. He is?
1: Yes. It is Terry Gilliam from Monty Python. Yeah, he did Time Bandits, Brazil, a movie you just watched, Adve- Adventures of Baron Monk, Monkhausen, Munchhausen. Yeah, very uh, movie. he directed Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, The Imaginary of Dr. Parnassus. Yeah, so so lots of unreliable narrators. <laughs> and he's got
0: a new movie coming out this year. He's, he's, his uh, Don Quixote movie is finally coming out. Yeah, the man which he's been working
2: Don on Quixote. since
1: like before Twelve Monkeys came out. Wow, God, he's got a weird. <laughs> Oh, that's why I get it mixed up with uh, other uh, Mind Python people. Is Holy Grail was directed, co-directed by Gilliam and Terry Jones. Terry Jones, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
2: I think that's the person I'm thinking of. But
1: they were both Mind Python.
2: Right.
0: <clears throat> um, but yeah, so what did you think of 12 Monkeys? Did you like it?
1: I did like it. I did too. It was a special kind of weird. Kel, did you?
2: I did like it. I liked the imagery a lot.
1: Yeah, it is certainly a visually striking movie uh something that like that, that Gilliam always does a good job of um
2: very dramatic avant-garde sets mm-hmm. and costumes and
1: yeah his his RoboCop style future mm-hmm. like you know you can go the HR Geiger route and have like all these curves and you know alien looking technology or you can have like square looking trash cans and people wearing like bags and he went the the latter route and it's just it's it's really neat set design yeah even like so I you know, I basically lived in Philly for three and a half years. Uh do not remember Philly being that much of a shithole. <laughs> but it is it's important for the story that it is, you know, essentially the powder keg of a revolution that right. is foretold.
2: Uh not the first time. What do C. you mean? Hugh Hamilton.
1: Oh. You can't use this as a platform to start talking about Hamilton. I can
2: use anything I want to talk about Hamilton, but I will spare you. <laughs> so
1: Unless <at> <laughs> I was watching
0: 12 Monkeys, I was thinking about Hamilton, obviously. Aaron Not Burr, to- sir. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, wait until we see it. And then, and then you can talk about watching Hamilton. Okay. I think I know what happens.
0: Um, <laughs> yeah, no, this was a, a very twisty, turning movie that's fun to watch. And, uh... I think I think Bruce Willis is a big part of that. He's he's really uh, you just really buy him in that like confused but uh, earnest role that he's in. Uh, I thought Brad Pitt was great in
1: the mental institution. Yeah, definitely. He does
2: a good crazy.
1: Yeah, it's 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 certainly a caricature of someone with like yeah who's mentally disturbed, but it is really effective.
2: I think that's common in movies uh, because most mental illness is invisible. Yeah. So it's very common to play those like extreme cases as a crazy person, air quotes
0: there. Yeah. I like during the, I like the little touches too in it where like, even as, uh, as he starts the sort of the riot or the, the commotion in the, uh, in the hospital and he's trying to distract them from Bruce Willis, he still takes the time to yell at the guy to get out of his chair during like while he's being chased <laughs> by doctors. <laughs> He's like running from doctors and he pauses and he just screams, get out, and r- runs away. And it's, it's such a tiny
1: little thing in the movie, but I uh, loved it so much. I also like that his his main form of distraction is he's like running around doing a sing song like, you can't catch me, you can't stop me, now's your last chance, man, you need to go now, you need to go now. <laughs> like still telling Bruce to like, yeah. get out
0: the door. I don't know, it was, it was actually, I never knew this uh, just because I didn't care about awards then, but uh, he was nominated for an Oscar for this movie. For that role, for that for a role, lead? Brad Brad Pitt was wow. supporting, right? Yeah, supporting. Mm. Oh, sorry, yeah, supporting. Uh, supporting actor.
1: Yeah, and Brent was telling us in a break, <clears throat> uh, he was nominated against Kevin Spacey, who was nominated for Seven. The other no, uh, Usual Suspects Usual came out Suspects. the same year. So, oh, wow. so
0: two people from Seven battled against each other for the best actor or best supporting actor. Neither one for Seven. <laughs> Boy, it, 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 like I said, it's hard to talk about the plot. Uh, was there anything that you didn't like about Twelve Monkeys that just didn't work for you? Because I have one thing. I have no idea what the point of that guy who kept calling him Bob the whole movie was. Yeah, I... Other than to maybe tell him the thing about teeth?
1: Yeah, well, because... Well, it's, it's always hard to say, like, why something's important to the plot of this movie when at the end of the movie you're not sure... If anything that anyone did was either important or changed anything in the future. Right. Or was all predestined and going to happen anyway. This is like, could be a very nihilist movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, nothing we do matters. Because that guy who called him Bob told him to take his teeth out. Then later, when they're in the $35 an hour motel, like the the prostitute shack... Uh, the Globe, which is a really nice place in Philly. It's in downtown Philly. Nice. You should check it out. Lots support your local arts. Um, <laughs> he takes his teeth out when they get assaulted by that pimp. Uh, uses his switchblade to do it, and then later on when his cellmate talks to him, he goes, "Why'd you take your teeth out, man?" Like yeah. so, it's like maybe it's important for that, but I also just think it's like it's 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 color for. Madeline Stowe's character, the psychiatrist, to prove that there is credence to what Bruce Willis is talking about. Because that, to me, is like the most important journey is, you know, Madeline Stowe, halfway through the movie, has a presentation she's giving. This is Bruce Willis's second time in the past. It's 1996 now, a year before the outbreak. And she talks about the biblical story of Cassandra and the Cassandra complex, I forget what it's called but it's basically the story of a woman who came from the future or who knew what would happen in the future like prophesied it, and everyone treating them as crazy and that's you know that's Bruce Willis's charge is he has that Cassandra complex or syndrome and so for me the easiest to follow plot line is Madeline Stowe's gradual understanding that Bruce Willis is telling the truth or some form of the truth a truth that is true to him um, and so the Bob, the guy who calls him Bob, who I'm just going to call Bob now, yeah, <laughs> uh, he keeps telling things to Bruce Willis with Madeline Stowe's character around. Does the psychiatrist get a name? I know that the other yeah, one of, someone else on the panel uses her name like once. Oh, uh, 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 Reality is her last name because they talk about it on the news. Um, but anyway, uh, she is basically a a third party to to the brief conversations that Bob tells Bruce Willis and like slowly they start becoming extra proof that it's all happening so do you think that that's her role in the movie for us
0: is for us to see a sane person accepting his story because and also do you like that because I I wondered because I wonder if the movie would be even more interesting if there was a third possibility of just Bruce Willis being legit crazy the whole movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I. It's 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 hard to play armchair screenwriter when the movie is so like ambiguous to begin with, right? That I don't know if I'd be comfortable with a third out. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, and this it's not definitive that she isn't also going a little crazy. True. Uh, that could be another possibility. She's not necessarily sane. We think she is because she's a psychiatrist, but everybody has the capacity to lose their mind.
1: Yeah. Um, Especially when faced with the unbelievable. Right. And then she herself getting a bit of that Cassandra complex. Mm -hmm. Right. That like now when she's telling other people that like, what he's talking about is actually happening. You know, she has that senior psychologist from the panel at the institution telling her like, you're being ridiculous. Right. And the detective, played by surprise, Christopher Maloney. Yeah, Chris Maloney <clears throat> popping up in this. Full head of hair. Kelly remarked that he looks way better without hair. <laughs> he really
2: does. It looked like it was glued to his head. <laughs>
0: so this is 95. That hair was gone in like two or three years. Yeah. It's completely gone. By the time uh, Oz choice. rolled around. Mm-hmm. 97,
1: yeah. Um, yeah, I liked her. I think it was a good foil. It's, it's to me, like, the revelations happened with her as... As fast as they happen with the audience. With the one exception being her graffitiing the side of that building. Uh, Because we have, you know, the dramatic irony, the foreknowledge that that's one of the images that the future board shows Bruce Willis and says, keep an eye out for these hallmarks of where the plague is starting.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And she's actually one responsible for creating that. Um, I
2: have a question. Um, I've never heard of her before.
1: Madeline Stowe.
2: Yes, was she big in the '90s or the '80s? She's
0: Never big. Okay. Um,
2: I was curious about that.
0: She's in a uh, she's in an ABC series or was uh, called Revenge.
2: Oh, that was pretty big. That was re- relatively recent.
0: Yeah, but
1: okay. I think that that marked sort of a comeback for her. Okay. In, in a way, and I'm gonna do the thing that I know that Brent loves doing, playing with his wife. Uh, Tj loves playing with his partner, and I like playing with you. Which is looking at an actor or director's filmography and picking not the thing they're best known for, but the thing that I think you most likely know them from. <laughs> knowing that's the, so
2: hard with me. Yeah,
1: knowing your weird proclivity with uh, movies, and oof, Madeline Stowe's career is not good for this. Yeah. <laughs> yes, she was Cora in *Last of the Mohicans*.
0: Oh yay! Yeah. Oh, that's
1: right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wasn't *Last of the Mohicans*. Uh, and then she has been in a lot of TV, a lot of TV movies actually mm mm-hmm. Anyway, I need to look at this. Oh, shit. She's in the... So, like, this is not a, not news, but they also have made and are continuing to make a 12 Monkeys TV show. And On what network? Sci-Fi, I think. Sci-Fi, yeah. Oh, that's the perfect it's, channel it's, for it's it. It's supposed to be all right. Like, I've heard that yeah. it's, like, pretty good, but Madeline Stowe's in an episode.
0: Nice.
2: Which is
1: perfect.
0: <laughs> that's like when uh, Battlestar Galactica brought back... Uh, Richard
1: Hatch. Yeah. To be, who was the... He, he was Starbuck in the original and Tom Zarek. Yeah. Which is good because he plays like the old, uh, like revolutionary in the new series. Oh shit, we're finally at a table where all of us have seen all of Star. <laughs> so, something I didn't like about it. That was the question you asked before I took it on a weird tangent. Yeah, other than just the, well, I don't know. For me, it's like, I
0: liked it more than I liked almost every Terry Gilliam movie I've ever seen, but there's still that element of Terry Gilliamness, which is just a bit much, where he's just like, I saw his name on the opening credits, and I was just like, okay, all right. all right, we're doing this. We're doing this.
1: I signed it. We're doing this. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but for something I didn't like, I, I think it, it relates to that feeling a little bit, the, that Terry Gilliam feeling, the, oh, here we go moment. It's, uh, and you talked about it, you used the word, and I think it perfectly sums it up, is it is an incredibly nihilistic movie. It's just so hard when you've been on this you know, journey, suspension of disbelief with these characters, and you get to the end of the movie and you go, oh, this might have been all for nothing. Mm-hmm. This could have been all this like secret agency in the future using inmates to ensure that they stay in power by guaranteeing the events of the past happen and we start talking about infinite time loops, and I get right. lost. Right. <laughs> like...
2: And then your brain explodes. Yeah,
1: and your brain explodes because you start trying to quantify infinity, and that's what authors say happens when you start doing
2: that. Is that a segue?
1: It can be, or you can talk about something. <laughs> say,
0: there's another that nihilistic movie that <laughs> we can talk about here in a bit, yeah. and we're going to, but um, before we wrap up Tall and Twelve Monkeys, the ending, which... Uh, Kelly didn't see, but you you you've been told the ending, and uh, so Bruce Willis has these visions throughout the movie. His character has these visions throughout the movie, flashbacks to when he was a kid, mm-hmm. and he remembers seeing a man shot in an airport. And uh, it turns out that that person is him. He right. he witnessed his own death. I know. <laughs> That doesn't play well on audio, right? This is for you two. Yeah, the, the mind the mind <laughs> um, Yeah, the uh, he witnessed his own death. He then uh, the actual perpetrator. So, so for much of the movie, Brad Pitt's character is a, is a red herring of sorts, and uh, David Morse plays a scientist who works for Brad Pitt's father, played by Christopher Plummer, also in a weirdly small role.
1: Yeah, but. Um,
2: and so young. Yeah. He looks so different. Yeah. It's kind of alarming.
1: Christopher Plummer aged 50 years and 20 years. He really did. Yeah.
2: He doesn't look bad for his age, but no. I was just like, whoa, I can see his face. <laughs>
0: Behind all those liver spots. <laughs> <laughs> <Aww>. Those wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, David Morse is uh, apparently a, an apocalypse nut job who mm. uh, is, is really the one who's responsible for the virus outbreak. And, uh, he makes it onto an airplane after releasing a vial of the, uh, virus at the Philadelphia airport and, uh, gets onto an airplane, sits down and you see one of the scientists who sent Bruce Willis back in time, sitting next to him on the plane and they're just making chit chat and she remarks that she's in insurance and you see a few other scientists as well, right? Yeah. In. in, like the outro. Mm-hmm. And so... It's left with a very ambiguous ending. You can certainly... I think I lean more towards the nihilistic ending as well. More of just, like, they sent him back to ensure that it happened. It's weirdly... I mean, it is weird, though, that they sent him back because it seems like he... It would have just been way easier to make it happen without
1: Bruce Willis
0: almost interfering. Right. But,
1: okay... So, brief. <laughs> so, wait, but they need yeah. him to plant the seed. Yes. That's what it is. Because they need him to plant the seed because that's how it's always happened. Right. Which is where this gets difficult to talk about. Yeah, because Brad oh, right, cuz cuz Brad Pitt's character had to inspire them to send Bruce Willis back in time to lead them to be distracted by it and to get Bruce Willis in the airport to let him through security because he gets stopped by security with the vials of the virus but you know the commotion that Bruce Willis causes lets David Morse through. Right. So but then but for Bruce Willis's intervening it never would have happened and gotten to that future. So we're left with this capsule time loop. Yeah, that this really
2: simple to understand. I don't see why we're having so much trouble
1: with it. <laughs> so, so yeah, yeah,
0: okay, you're right. Yeah, that's that. The key was he had to go plant that in like with Brad Pitt back in 1990. Yes. who like mentioned it to his father, probably. Yes. Okay. Um. Yeah. So they do. So yeah, I, I'm kind of. I lean more towards that. That option at the end, that interpretation, which is they all. Made sure that the virus happened. There is it is a possibility though that he really was working to try to stop the virus, and that the scientist at the end is on that plane to personally stop David Morse from from getting somewhere else. Yep. Um, So there is an optimistic option if you want that option, but that's uh, it's such a.
2: I do because I'm really sick of scientists being portrayed as these madmen. <laughs> I feel like we get a really bad rap in movies. We're well, always crazy.
1: Well, here's here's a third interpretation. is that she's not an agent of the future when she encounters David Morse on the plane, but that she is meeting David Morse for the first time and the knowledge that she gains from living and being someone who was born in presumably the seventies lives through 1990 and the 1995 and then the plane ride David Morse becomes interested and was like, I was there. That's how they have pictures of the graffiti on the side of the building. That's how they know about the army of the 12 monkeys. The same way that Bruce Willis knows about the kid in the barn who didn't actually fall down the well. Right. Yeah. This is their thing from the past that they know about. So like so this is the first telling of this loop. This is our first go around. Mm-hmm. And How
2: would she survive though? Was it the mortality rate like 98% from 99%, the
1: 99%. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Because David Morse at least survives long enough to go to... They list off all the cities he goes to. And it's basically every major population center in the world. What's funny is a
0: lot of the cities are on the, the game board for the game. Uh, Pandemic. Pandemic. Yes. <laughs> they mentioned like Karachi yeah. and Tehran and a few others in the movie.
2: Well, all of those cities are cited by the CDC. Like that's a studied thing. It's pretty established. Like it's not hard to find out where you need to go to get encounter the, the most people. Vector
1: points basically. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It's like an epidemiological fact.
1: Yeah. Lots of like handshaking ports, airports. Travel so you can't o- open contain. Open air markets, yeah. Also,
0: Bruce Willis was there at the airport, too, and he certainly survived. So, I wonder if it's just a very small po- percentage of the population has immunity to it in some way.
2: They said it didn't kill everyone. It says it was, it, it
1: was 5 billion people, which at the time, when they wrote this movie, was 99% of the population. Um because they say 1% survived. They now live underground. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so
2: it's like the, the Matt Damon in Contagion. He's the first one to encounter it, but he's immune. Yeah. Just for the purpose of the movie. And right. it
1: could also be that, that what makes it lethal is after it, like, evolves throughout, like, transmission.
2: It does mutate. Um, I was reading about the virus on the fandom page, and they, they said in 2043 that someone had developed... Um, they had developed cures for the mutations, new mutations, but not the original virus.
0: I wonder if that that's ahead of this movie. I wonder if that's from the TV show.
2: I think it might be. So I wonder
0: if the TV show is not a retelling as much as
1: it is just like a continuation. A, a continuation. Right. And I would love to see what they're... Because if they talk about...
2: Do they name the virus in the movie? No. no. Yeah, it's named. So I, that has to be from the, from the yeah. TV show.
1: Also, this is... It's based off a book, I think.
0: No, it's based on a... Well... Okay. Short it's short film. It's a short film, but that short film I was reading about is only about uh, people tormented because they have seen visions of their own death. So it's just it's literally just the Bruce Willis like last part that's inspired by it. So the outbreak part of it is not. Absolutely has nothing to do with it. Yes. So when it said based on a based on the short film whatever at the beginning of the movie, and uh I, I was reading about it and that said that the uh, Academy of, or, uh, I don't know, whoever, I don't know who checks off on these things. I don't know who approves these, you know, based on, credits. His, yeah. But uh, whoever it is, they were very, they thought it was a very dubious claim that this movie was based <laughs> on that, like, 1962 short film. Yeah. Um, of course, that would be the most, I mean, again, Terry Gilliam, what are you going to yeah and Although, granted, though, it's, he I don't think he wrote the movie. I think it's two people co-wrote the movie. It, it,
2: yeah it was two different people
0: so but I, it's definitely I thought it was, I, I enjoyed it I thought I was kind of dreading it I knew it was over two hours and once I knew Terry Gilliam I, I think it's just because I've recently seen The Adventures of Baron Munchausen and yeah that movie felt like it lasted I don't know like 12 weeks to watch um,
2: did you like Fear and Loathing are you I've, I've actually, actually like never seen very... Fear and Loathing what yeah. <laughs> have you read the novel no alright well, I have homework for you, Brent.
1: <laughs> you don't get to assign homework This isn't ready Read. <laughs> this is Talking Talk. I don't know if you've heard how 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 quick we are to malign the act of reading books. <laughs> also, it's, in particular, though, we have one listener out
0: there I know who she is just waiting for us to open the door for books to come into this.
2: Oh, man. Katie? <laughs> yes.
0: And so we've we, we, we got to keep that locked tight. <laughs>
2: I think Katie could have her own podcast about books, she, and she could she, put it out twice a week. She
0: reads through, yeah. She reads like I feel like a half dozen books a week. Yeah,
2: yeah. She's always reading. Yeah, that's why she's so smart. <laughs> Maybe she can explain the time loops to us.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so first, let's talk. Let's talk in uh, ambiguous movie endings. Are there any other movies that come to mind where you have that option, sort of, at the end? I think the ambiguous? most ambiguous. I think the most obvious one is Inception. Yeah, yeah. that was a big uh, like water cooler discussion movie. I think they I think people have gone back and studied the frames and whatnot, and they have they have deduced that there is actually an answer. I don't care. But I want to know the answer. I have my answer.
1: But it's uh, what's your answer? He's... So my answer is like my answer is the cop-out answer which I think is the one that the, that the film is supposed to lead you towards, which is that it doesn't matter if the top fell or not. It doesn't matter because he's happy. He's happy. Whether it's constructed reality or it's real reality, he's happy. He's finally found peace. It's the artistic statement that the,
0: that scene is making. I think,
1: and I think that's, that's what Nolan is going for. Yeah, um, I agree. But I, I, I have heard people say, no, it definitely fell. But,
0: you know... Well, actually, they no don't, they the don't use, it's not, it has, it apparently doesn't have to do with the top. It has to do with some other evidence in some
1: way, shape, is or form. Is it arm. not seeing the children's faces when he goes and sees them? And them repeating lines that were previously said? I think maybe it's something like, but no, the, the evidence is that it's real. Okay.
0: So, but uh, that's according to, I don't know, probably someone on Reddit figured this out. That's where I just
1: assume most of these theories first come out. Yeah. If you go to the subreddit, I think it's called Film Theories. Uh, you can go down a rabbit hole. Uh,
0: um, <clears throat> some of them are amazing, like the Jar Jar Binks Sith Lord theory <laughs> from Reddit, which is, I think Reddit's greatest contribution to society. That theory is amazing.
2: I think it's the only acceptable answer for Jar Jar Binks.
0: It makes him watchable.
2: <laughs> it does, and they do. Sh- there's clips on Reddit of people doing video from like that old s- drunken monkey, whatever it's oh, called. Yeah. The uh, Kung style. Fu style. I'm, I don't know if it's Kung Fu, but the martial art. Yeah. And it's... <laughs> it Spot actually on. makes a lot of sense. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, except the contributing point that George Lucas said, kids will love Jardim Binks. That he's... His his sense of humor is...
0: I don't want to get too far down the Star Wars rabbit hole here, because we could definitely do that. Especially uh,
1: not for me, sitting with you two here. here. I do not want to spend <laughs> too <but laughs> time But my later.
0: favorite thing... Have you ever seen the, like, the... It's like a like 30-minute... Documentary. It's on YouTube. But it's about like it's filming, it, showing Lucas through the process of making Phantom Menace, And he's, they have a shot of him at the first screening for producers and whatnot of the movie, this first cut of the movie. And uh, he looks looks to the camera and he's like, you know, this Jar Jar thing really may not work, but I hope it does. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, this could be a this could be a colossal mistake, but we'll see. <laughs> um, but Oops. no. Are there any other ambiguous endings that come to mind? For
1: I'm trying to think about ambiguous endings. Um, Before we get
0: to maybe nihilist endings?
1: Yeah, and, I, and I'm trying to I'm trying to get out of my head of movies about like time travel or alternate realities. But that's kind of where those ambiguous movies live. Uh, we talked about Unsane recently. Uh, the only ambiguity that's left at the end of that movie... Uh, Brent, did you end up seeing Unsane? No, but you go ahead. But it's it's it, the, the the question that remains is 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 the one that is asked in the beginning is is Claire Foy's character actually losing her mind? Is she supplanting other people's faces with that of her stalker um, and kind of unfairly attacking or thinking the world is attacking her? Mm-hmm. Um, but that's that's, that's just one off the dome I've seen recently.
2: Yeah, I, I can't think of many movies with ambiguous endings. I'm looking at these lists and I, I don't agree with some of them. Mm-hmm. What are on the lists? Uh, Drive was one. Uh, mm. Most of these I haven't seen. Drive? I don't
0: remember the ending well enough to...
2: Barton Fink. Whoa. Oh. Uh, Birdman.
0: Oh, Birdman's an interesting one.
2: Yeah. I think it's the same thing with Inception, though. It doesn't really matter. It's not the point of the story.
1: It's also hard to kind of pinpoint what the point of the story in Birdman is. (laughs) That's a good point. Yeah. I I have that that's why I have a hard time with this. I mean there's there's lists of like cliffhanger movies, which which is like another aspect of it.
2: Right. But it's
1: not really what Twelve Monkeys is doing. Like Inception, I think, is on that line of being a cliffhanger or ambiguous, but I think it's definitely on the ambiguous camp.
2: Um, Uh, I feel like the newer Alien movies tend to end like that, where you don't know if anyone really makes it out, because they never end cleanly. I know in that last Alien Covenant movie, we don't really know what happens to her. I saw that listed,
0: so I haven't seen that movie yet, but I saw that listed on a list of uh, movies where the bad guy wins. So I don't know if the, does the...
2: I don't remember, we saw it at the drive-in...
0: So it's kind of hard to follow the, a yeah, movie like that. Right, right,
1: Well, it's it's also it's also hard for me, and we were talking about this a little bit. Is that I see on a lot of lists of movies with ambiguous endings and movies with X endings, a lot of movies that are one part in a series. Um, right. So, like the second Matrix movie, Matrix Revolutions. No, Matrix Reloaded. Reloaded is the same. Reloaded. Yeah, uh, that's listed as an ambiguous ending. But it's also ambiguous until The Matrix Revolutions. Right. It's also not really an ending ending. Yeah. yeah. Um,
0: well, we can jump into the next line here, which is uh, Twelve Monkeys does kind of segue us into this, which is uh, it, it, at least what we think the most likely interpretation of the ending is is one of uh, it's a nihilist ending and uh it reminds me of a nihilist movie I saw in the theater recently yeah. to an extent uh Avengers Infinity War which is uh something we've all seen all three of us have seen Avengers Infinity War we're all fairly big Marvel fans uh I, I mean I'm sure some people would declassify me as a Marvel fan because I haven't seen like one Thor movie but whatever. Yeah. You're not missing much. It's the Dark World.
1: I haven't seen the Dark World. I think that's the only Marvel movie I haven't seen. All all that means is that you don't really know the origin of the Tesseract, which, who cares?
2: (laughs) Like. Yeah, I can't think of anything in that movie that's really important. And it wasn't the greatest movie. I
0: really don't feel like I've ever missed out on any plot line. Like, there's, somebody told, I think TJ told me, he said, the only thing you need to know is that that's the movie where Loki sometimes becomes, it it shows that Loki can be a good guy. Yeah. And that's
1: it. Um, Oh, that's also the movie that shows that Odin is no longer in Valhalla. Okay. Gotcha. And okay. in Asgard anymore. Is that he's kind of like somewhere else. Um, Missing. Because, and cause, that's... Because at the end... Because at the beginning of Thor Ragnarok, it's Loki playing Odin. Right. right. Yeah. So uh, so what did y'all think of Infinity War? Well, I, I will start by saying that when TJ and I did our prediction cast, we were not only wrong about the people who died... In that, uh, people died who we didn't say, but pretty much everyone who we said was going to die is alive. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I, y'all, one of y'all called Vision.
1: Yes. Well, Vision. Vision is also the most likely to die, given the story of, about the Infinity Stones. Vision was our easiest. Yeah. He was our 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 you know leadoff batter.
2: It would have been weird if he didn't die. Yeah,
1: that's baseball. <laughs>
2: It would have been a surprise, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, but but more to your point, uh, I did really like it. Um, and I also have a hard time being fully convinced that Thanos is a true bad guy. But he definitely... The film ends and he has triumphed. Yes. Over the, the heroes in the film. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, it's... uh. All right, what about you, Kelly? Did you like it? I loved it. Yeah. I thought it was incredibly entertaining. I think it, it it nailed the aspect of Avengers that you that's most important to nail, which is put put different heroes into a sandbox and let them play. Yeah. And I think that was a lot of fun in the movie. I um, love it. was your
2: favorite uh, group? We talked about this on the way home.
0: Mm. Oh, the pairing of Thor and Rocket is... I wish they had their Assad sad movie. I would watch Thor and Rocket's adventures yeah. in, through space or whatever. I was
1: really hoping that when they finally bifrosted down to the Battle of Wakanda, that they would take a Taika Waititi route and start playing Immigrant Song again. Because <laughs> that was such an awesome entrance. Yeah. You yeah. know, the franchise has made fun of superhero entrances for a long time and other comic movies too. But that was like the first one that felt like a well fucking deserved superhero entrance. The Thor, Thor arriving on Wakanda was a
0: great moment in the movie. Mm. I think it's the moment that most felt like you. That's the only moment where you really felt like the almost like the majesty of these superheroes. Like when he arrived with his eyes glowing and whatever, you know,
2: finally going full power, God
0: of God of
1: lightning, yeah, and yeah, I love that. Um, It was also one of the few moments where you had like real hope. Yeah, Um, you know, I think there's, I think there's really two of those, and it gets me to my favorite group, and my favorite scene is the, I think the fight on Titan with Thanos is really good. I I like that a lot. Like the whole plan with like Benedict Cumberbatch, I think is one like is an unsung star in this movie. He's he's great as the emotionally detached Doctor Strange, uh, Mm -hmm. but when he like figures out, you know, I've seen 14 million possibilities and there's only one that works. Uh, the plan with all like the distraction, then like getting him pinned down and trying to pry the gauntlet off. All that, all of that leading up to it is really cool. Yeah.
2: It made me so disappointed in Chris Pratt though. It's one of those scenes where it's like, you almost had it. Yeah. I know the movie would be over, but like, you, come on, just, you're almost there. I know you're heartbroken, uh, because Gamora is killed by Thanos but you've almost got his his gauntlet off. Just just let him do it.
1: Yeah, he's also the only character in the movie, other than Thor, who has experienced like recent loss by Thanos. True. So he's he's the most understandable character to lose his cool. Mm-hmm. Right. It would be it would be him, or it would be Gamora or Nebula, and to a, to an extent, it is Nebula also. Mm-hmm.
2: Right. I I like, too, that scene because you see how powerful Mantis can be. I think she's kind of underestimated in her powers until you see what she can do to Thanos, which is a very useful tool.
1: Basically cripple him.
2: Right. And nobody else can really do that. Mm -hmm. Scarlet Witch.
1: Yeah, she's like a weird version of Scarlet Witch, though. Not that we're going to get into comparisons between other fiction and this, but...
2: She's just so much more powerful than they portray in the movie. I don't know if she's, like, holding back, if this is, like, a Dark Phoenix thing.
1: Who's Scarlet Witch is way more powerful than they show in the movie? Yes. Yeah. Okay. She's
2: one of the most powerful mutants in existence. Yeah,
1: she can create realities. So she she basically has, like, the latent power of the rea- the reality stone. Right. Um, but so I think that, and this is just speculation. I haven't read any spoilers or anything. I think that they're going to gift that power to Miss Marvel because she already has some of that. Right. Um, And that was the post-credit spoiler is, you know, Nick Fury fading away into dust and them showing the the insignia for Captain Marvel.
2: Brie Larson is going to make great. I just want to look at her in that outfit.
1: Me too. I like (laughs) that.
2: I know you guys probably can't comment on this. Don't want to offend anyone, but she is like perfect for that role.
1: Yeah. And it's also, I, I read more about, you know, kind of the current understanding, the comic book understanding of who Captain Marvel is. Um, Captain Marvel is a title. It's not a person. It's kind of like the... uh, Not the Iron Man. um, The Green Lantern from Mm -hmm. DC. Mm -hmm. Is that, like, certain person becomes Captain Marvel and it's been... And Carol Danvers, who's the character that Brie Larson is going to play, is not the first Captain Marvel. The first Captain Marvel was a Cree warrior. Oh. And... They fused together the character Carol Danvers and the original Captain Marvel. And then there's like three other Captain Marvels after okay. uh, Carol Danvers. But so.
2: I think there was a lot of people that came in that I think are going to have interesting storylines. Uh, to the same point, Red Skull. I think they're. I don't remember what they were called in the comics, but he's. It looks like they're trying to make him into like the unappealing or the uneasy. I'd have the to look it man? up. Uh, something like that. I don't remember what it's called. Yeah, but I was—it was very weird to see him do a cameo.
1: Do you know who played Red Skull?
2: Hugo Weaving.
1: No. It was originally Hugo Weaving, but that's what I thought too because it sounded—it was a sound like But Hugo it? Weaving refused to reprise the role. Yeah, it's, so it's actually
0: funny that they got someone to come in to do a Hugo Weaving impression because this guy does amazing impressions. It's Ross Marquand from The Walking Dead. He's the guy with the curly hair on his head.
2: Oh. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: He does he also has if you go on YouTube sometime and look what The gay look guy? Up, yeah, yeah. Look up him doing impressions, Ross Marquand impressions. He does fantastic little like micro impressions. They're all like one and a half seconds long. But it's wow. like he does like a haircut. Like yeah, he does like a Owen Wilson. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I did not mean to do that. <laughs> <laughs> um but no, uh...
2: I told Chris last week that my poly store is getting really good. It's not. But... <laughs> whatever you say, buddy. Um, Spitting image. People aren't going to be able to tell if it was me.
1: So again, images don't play well on podcast.
2: Close your eyes. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, He's like Firefox.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> Who is your favorite, um grouping of people that's what I
1: was saying is, is that that group on Titan okay because it's like a weird mix it's Strange and uh, the you know abridged Guardians team and Spider-Man and Iron Man and Iron Man yeah is I, I like that I, I also just like that trio of Spider-Man Doctor Strange and Iron Man I thought that was a cool mm-hmm. I, I just like Doctor Strange with any of the, the people who don't think that magic is real because he can immediately disprove them. And especially, mm-hmm. like, buttressed against Tony Stark. Who's like, absolutely, it's not real. It's all technology. Like, don't be weird. Like, yeah. Know. I do...
0: One thing I really like... The only... Okay. The only thing I like about the ending is that I think it sets up the next Avengers movie to have to be resolved by sort of the original Avengers. Because if you if you think about it, the the survivors are I mean it's Cap, Iron Man, Black uh, Black Widow, yep, Thor and Hulk,
2: and it could with be. a few other presumably people. Hawkeye. We don't know what happened, and to presumably
0: Ant Man and the Wasp, Pre- right? Presumably, and so but there'll be a few ancillary characters right, right, right. but but those five the five that started the Avengers and MCU are going to have to be the ones to save all these other superheroes
1: um, yeah I wonder if they're going to have their because you know at the end of Age of Ultron no at the end of Civil War they basically were like we're done we're disbanding mm-hmm. I wonder if they're going to finally have their like alright we're officially disbanding like moving on to the next team led by Falcon et cetera. yeah
0: so, there were things I didn't like about the movie. Uh, I don't know. I, when I'd heard about the Infinity War movies that were going to be coming out, they, I always thought there were going to be two of them. Mm-hmm. And then the studio was like, no, it's not part one. This is Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, cool. The whole story is going to be told right here in this movie. And then we get to the end and I felt really taken advantage of in a way where it's just like this movie serves no purpose, but to get me to buy another ticket down the road. I I feel like,
2: and it worked. I will go see
0: it. I will definitely go see the next one and I'll probably like it a whole lot more. I like, I I enjoy this as half of a movie, as half of a story. Half. Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Right. There we go. There we
0: go. Um, took me a second. Um, I think I would have liked the movie more if they had more leaned into the. the I think I think Thanos is the main character in the movie. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Agreed. And I actually would have liked it more had they told it from his perspective even more, mm. and like made it his movie. And I think it would have been interesting. If I'm sure there, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who don't know anything about Thanos, like going into the movie. Mm. Obviously, Marvel fans do. But I think it would have been interesting to present the story from his perspective of like he's really like troubled by all these worlds that are running out of resources. Overpopulated, yeah. And <clears throat> and try to actually do it from a point of altruism and and where he just learns that if he can get the stones, he can have the power to fix this and maybe not reveal that it's mass genocide until the end. I think I would have I would have liked that more. And then that sets up the whole, like, I think it would have been a more shocking end to the movie if he, if we didn't expect it coming so much. For me, the ending wasn't really, there was no, I didn't really have an emotional reaction to losing all these superheroes just because
1: I know that's not the end of their stories. Same. It was also, it was also so fast. It Yeah. The only one that I was really surprised by was T'Challa. I thought that that was like, that, that, that he was so far in the bank. Mm-hmm. That that he would not be one of the people who who fades away. I, I completely agree, and
0: that's why the, when he did fade away, I was like, "Oh, I don't have to care about this. Like, right. this is just going to be. I just have to wait a year to see the resolution of this, right? Because it's not nothing. I'm sure. I'm sure events of this movie will have an effect down the road in some way, shape, or form. But all this is telling me is that everything I'm seeing now is reversible in some way.
1: Yeah. I, I also I want to I want to go back to one of the points you made. Uh, that the studio, you think, took advantage of you uh, in not saying that there was going to be a part two, that this was the Infinity War. Yeah. I think this is the Infinity War. And I think that, that there's a winner, and it's Thanos. You think Thanos is... The Infinity War is over, and now it's it's up to, you know, them trying to reverse it. But the war is over. Okay. There's no need. Yeah, they lost. There's no need. It's, it's now up to a bunch of people to try and figure out, like, now that the war's over, how do we pick up? I, I agree with your main point that there's yeah. more to the story, yeah. but I think that as, as build, like that's there's not going to be another big battle. There's not going to be another like massive assemblage of heroes to fight against this like growing tide of <clears throat> like enemies. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be like finding ways to circumvent the events of the past. Yeah, um, which you know, X Men in Days of Future Past, I think did a good job of that. It's a really hard thing to do, talking about 12 Monkeys, yeah. is how do you write in a way to undo the past without it also screwing up, making sure that event is guaranteed in the future, because without that event in the past, you never would have reverted. Right. right. Um, and a lot of times what Marvel movies will do is they'll create another reality where it never happens. kind of a, 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 a divergent timeline, mm-hmm. and I think that's where this goes, but I'm not sure. Right. Um That's
2: very common in Marvel
0: In comic books in general, yeah. I'll be very interested to see where they go with it. It's uh and I'm sure I'll go opening weekend to see Avengers Four. Yeah. Um But I don't know, there were just certain some things that just rubbed me. Also the the, the, the I thought that the I thought that we got way too much of Vision and Scarlet Witch in this movie for me. Like I understand that he's vital to the story, but also like I just, I don't know, I was kind of excited to see Captain America again, and I got very little Captain America.
1: Yeah. You got very little Captain America, very little Black Panther, like, the main, like, <clears throat> you got a lot of Thor. He was the only, like, yeah. like main, like, dollar driver, and, uh, you know, he's, he, who has his own franchise within the MCU, was the only person who he really spent time with. <laughs> uh, everyone else was, like, a footnote. Yeah, I like the moments with Tony
0: and Peter, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really Spider-Man. like
2: Peter. I think he's one of the funniest characters. Yeah. Um, this this movie was particularly funny, in yeah. my opinion. It was one oh, of the funnier ones. For me, the
0: funniest thing in the movie was uh, Star-Lord trying to suddenly talk like Thor. <laughs> oh my god! Without yes. realizing he's doing it. Yeah. Um, I like but,
2: to uh, don't embarrass me in front of the wizards. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, but, uh... Yeah, I don't. I don't know. It's uh, the Captain America, though. Like when Vision, Vision has the uh, the moment where he's like, "You guys should just kill me and destroy the stone immediately." I really was baffled by the decision not to just be like, "Absolutely, robot, we will kill you yeah. right now and let's just put an end to this because this will save lots of lives." Instead, yeah. Cap's like, "No, let's just fly to Wakanda and." and go through this long surgical process that winds up not working, and
1: I don't know, it's a big waste of time. But, yeah. uh
2: Well, it would have worked if they had the time.
1: Right. Yeah. But it's oh. a good thing the big bad guy has a way of making sure that they never have the time, or that he can just undo things that happen. Right. So even if they would have gotten it out and destroyed it, there's a solid chance that he could have just gone, whoop, and like gone back and gotten it again.
2: Like he did in the end.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really did like the... <clears throat> the Goon Squad he had with him, the Children of Thanos. Uh, didn't realize, we saw her name in the credits, but Carrie Coons. Carrie Coon. As uh, I looked at their names afterwards, because they're never said during the movie except for the Maw. She has a dumb character name. It's but... Proxima Midnight. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. They all have pretty pretty uh, miserable full names, but she's Proxima. There's the guy who's afraid his full name, but he's the Glaive. He's the guy, the goblin with the spear.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I like the Maw a lot.
1: I like the Maw, the like... All powerful psychic dude,
0: the
1: guy that uh, was
2: throwing the, the rocks. Mom.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. He was good. Uh, she was so unrecognizable in oh, that yeah. role. Like, I, oh, like why do you why do you call like a great character actress Carrie Coon to get her to just be generic bad girl in the unrecognizable. movie? Unrecognizable. Yeah. yeah, this is weird. Like, I, I don't mind them having that character. It's yeah. just... and I don't mind her choice.
1: It's just strange. I also, uh, what's not strange though, our boy Terry Notary. Showed up, he, he did the mo-cap for the big dude. Yeah. With the, uh, the the extendo
0: claw. Uh, but yeah, no, it's... Uh, I had mixed feelings about the movie. Just from, like, the way that it just left me, like, not that concerned about losing, mm-hmm. I guess. And... It feels temporary. It feels very temporary. And I feel like it's a movie that five years from now is not going to be one that really stands on its own that well it's just gonna be like uh, I don't know, weirdly even in a way that like
2: one of the Hobbit movies.
1: Yeah. It feels it feels like a two towers esque bottleneck. Mm -hmm. The like we've spent ten years introducing you to these characters and here's here's the penultimate step to their career. Mm -hmm. And you'll you'll see what happens but like as far as that like that 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 bridge it's like the first two
0: acts of a five act play right. sort of. Yes. Is what it feels like where you you've we're at intermission mm-hmm. is all. And the, that's the thing that's stuck with me is that I don't even know how much these first two acts are going to affect the finality
1: of the final act. Yeah. But we'll we'll see. That's, um, it's it's something that they've str- they've distanced themselves from that like the X-Men movies are now cursed with is when you start introducing characters who can change reality, are there ever any stakes? Right. Like, if you can introduce people who are effective at immediately killing or immediately reversing actions that happened, then why does any of it matter?
2: Because they can also be killed.
1: Yeah, but I'm saying, like, so Thanos can do it with the Infinity Stones. Can someone else do it? If it's all about mutation, right. then theoretically someone will be able to do it eventually and be able to revert back to that point. Someone with more knowledge of the stones, I don't think it's necessarily...
0: Can can you create matter with the Infinity Gauntlet? Or is it just like, can you... I know you can bend reality. Yeah. And you can make people think something is real. But can you actually... Can he create, like... With, with, like, the combo of power and... I have no idea. Okay. Well, it the... would be...
2: I mean, it would make sense. Because that would be the only way that you could do that, is with something that powerful.
0: Well, I guess my question is... Somebody was... Uh, I had a friend who was kind of bashing the bashing Thanos's motivations in the movie because they said he thinks he. I don't know if he knows the comics really well or if he's saying that he. It's established in the movie, but he's saying that with the Infinity Gauntlet, Thanos should be able to create uh, the resources for all
1: the planets.
2: Oh, that's a good point.
1: I don't. I don't know if that's necessarily true. Also, that wouldn't. The the comic part of the story is completely different than this. Right. So people who compare it because it's about
0: Thana, it's, I read a little like Thanos is using them to like court death or something. Yeah, because
1: there's a personification of death um, who appears in the Neil Gaiman series uh, Sandman. Oh, nice. Um, but she's a little, little, little goth woman. Uh, but so yeah, so there's no comparison there. Okay. But I don't think he's that he also can,
2: got the stones already. Yeah, in I, the comics. I don't
1: think that he can create matter, and I also don't also if if I'm and I'm on Thanos side, I'd also say that the more that he creates, the more will be consumed. There will always be resource scarcity right like is is it's not about the supply right. it's about the mass consumption, right Why would you also reward people for you know over overspending?
0: yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, I definitely don't think it's established in the movie that uh, that the gauntlet has that kind of power. Yeah. But
1: still... Or
2: maybe he doesn't know how to use it.
1: Right, because they, they do kind of mention that he's figuring out how to use it. Because... there's no manual
2: for it. Because
1: cause there's, there's a lot of what he does where he has to like kind of hold the, the gauntlet up for it to activate. And then the one gem that's being utilized glows... Um, and then as the movie goes on, he doesn't ever have to like move his hand or articulate in any way; it just happens. Mm-hmm.
2: I'm really excited that uh, Disney bought Sony because I'm really ready for them to bring more X-Men. That's my favorite franchise mm-hmm. out of the Marvel comics and just in general. And I.
1: That's not. That's not X-Men. Isn't Sony? They're twentieth century Fox. Oh, okay. they. Spider Man is mean, Sony.
2: I knew that they bought whoever owns the rights to all century of the X yeah. Men, because I'm I really want that in these
1: Marvel movies. It'll, it's
2: a missing, it's a missing piece. I think
1: it, it will probably be the next generation, because mm-hmm. right now we're at the end of Phase Four. It's hard to keep track of yeah. which. So the. Final. So Avengers 4 is the last movie in Phase 4. Which is all that they had planned for this like story arc of Avengers movies. And then the MCU will go into their next, I guess, age or yeah. whatever they call it. And that's when you're going to start seeing some inroads with X-Men, probably. But Sp- Spider-Man's still not a guaranteed thing. Because I don't know if you guys saw the trailer for Venom. But there is no... Any hint about... Other Marvel universes, and that's coming out in like a post Infinity War world. So presumably, if it was the same production company, they would mention it. But Sony's only licensing Spider-Man out.
2: Well, I'm kind of curious to see how the rest of the movies are. Like, is Ant-Man and the Wasp post Infinity War? Yeah, like pre Infinity War. I want to
0: see the first five minutes of Ant-Man and Wasp where there's like, so half our friends are dead. (laughs) Um, You want to go have some fun with Michael Pena? Yeah, <laughs> let's. <laughs> like... I love Michael Pena in those movies. Yeah. It's like, how did we lose, like, half of our greatest superheroes, and yet the entire cast of Ant-Man survived? Yeah. And so, they're
2: doing just fine. And, they're
0: do- and they don't seem to be all that bothered by half
1: yeah. the world disappearing. Yeah. And somewhere, Clint Barton and Linda Carnalini's character... I don't even remember her fucking name. But... Clint Barton and wife Barton are are in a cabin (laughs) with their two kids. And they're like, oh, that was weird. Like, one of our kids is gone now. Like, you'd think that they would...
0: What if Avengers Infinity War is all just the uh, explanation for the leftovers?
1: (laughs) We were talking about that. Yeah. Uh...
2: I I did think that it was nice in the post-credits to see the cars wrecking. And, yeah. you know, the actual aftermath, not just people disappearing, but, you know, people were driving cars when they disappeared, and driving helicopters, and I think that that was a nice little touch in the, yeah. in the post-film, or post-credit scene. Mm-hmm.
0: That's true, some of those movies have always done a good job of it, which is, like, uh, showing how the effects of these stories, like, uh, they matter to, like, regular people, like, mm-hmm. you know, us, or whatever, and the uh, that's why... I don't know maybe it's a little detached when it's just like the the majority of the action even though I really like the fight on Titan but again it happens on Wakanda and Titan the like- Wakanda a hidden country or a hidden whatever and Titan so there's there was the early there was a fight at the beginning in New York which was which was cool Yeah but again it's like back to New York I wish they would get somewhere else <laughs> There's <laughs> right. all these actual cities to go to and
2: go in Asia That'd be cool. Yeah. They have cute stuff there. I want to see someone throw, like, a panda bear at somebody else. <laughs> Not a live one. Like, a stuffed one. <laughs> I need
1: to clarify throw that. actual <laughs> panda bear.
0: So, I don't know. I'm really just holding that hope
1: that Squirrel Girl will be uh, yeah. the, the savior of, of <laughs> Avengers. Squirrel Girl. Yeah, Squirrel Girl. I was reading some of, like, Thanos' Wikipedia and stuff that's happening in the comics Apparently, there's a superhero called Squirrel Girl who at some point defeats Thanos single-handedly. Wait, really? Yes. Oh, I had
0: no tie-in other than she's the most ridiculous Marvel character I know, <laughs> so <laughs> I just mentioned her. There was talk at one point that Anna Kendrick would play uh, Squirrel Girl if they did a Squirrel Girl movie. But who? what character would she play? Squirrel Girl. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just saying she's already a Squirrel Girl. Oh. <laughs>
2: she is very mousy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's... uh. I guess that kind of wraps up our talk about
1: Infinity War. Yeah, for, um, for having kind of a, like a nebulous idea of what the topic is going to be, we sure filled an hour. Yep. Chris, do you have homework for, do you know what you're doing yet? I do. So this is either going to be for next week or the week after. Uh, this This upcoming weekend is Mother's Day. So getting all four of us together is going to be difficult. Getting three of us together feels cheap because i want to do an entry into the talk of fame so we're either going to do a talk of fame the next time we meet or the time after but so either way i'm going to assign it now and we'll figure it out when we get to it next Mm -hmm. week might just be a single podcast week but i'm assigning the 1988 movie uh akira we're gonna watch akira it's on hulu and the cool thing about being on Hulu. If, if you're like me and you've seen it before and you don't want to pay a ton of attention to it, um, you know it well. Uh, on Hulu, it is both the subtitled version and the dubbed over English dub version are available. Um, so Hulu subscribers can see it with subs or dubs. I don't really have a recommendation. Watch it how you like it. Um, if you would rather have them in English and then it starts bothering you, flip over to the, the subs. I think dubs tend to be just so bad. F- and so I'll. I don't know.
2: Unless they're like Miyazaki.
1: Yeah. See, and that's the thing is that Akira is a movie like a Miyazaki movie that is so um, so revered that they've done work to make the dubs a little better. They're also, they're still not, you, you can't perfectly translate them, but that happens with subtitles as well. Right. Um, yeah. But, yep. So we will be talking soon, I, don't, I just don't know when, about Akira. Awesome. Um, and I'm, I'm going to hope to get David and TJ in the room for that talk. Um has David seen it? David has seen it. I think it's been a while for him. TJ has not, and I don't think you have. I've never seen it. Okay. No. Um, but yeah, that is a homework assignment for the future. Akira. Cool. Cool.
2: And Fear and Loathing Las Vegas for Brent. <laughs>
1: that's that's extra credit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Bonus points. Yeah, you and Kelly can have a podcast with the two, you just talk about fear and loathing. Oh, if I yeah, that would
2: get too weird. How far
1: wasn't. are you in the ER?
2: Just, 14th season okay
1: never mind.
0: I was gonna say like if this is gonna be a long time thing I might watch it with you but uh, I'm not catching
1: up to you yeah four, 15 seasons of 20 episodes at least yeah, per yeah, season yeah 45 that is minutes just, that is,
0: yeah
2: I started what's it like
1: 400 episodes I also had a
2: ton of time when I hit my head <laughs>
1: yeah
2: where I could just watch TV for 8 hours you
1: clumsy oh <laughs> me <laughs> but anyway this has been Talking Talk podcast mm-hmm. with you can follow us on Facebook. We've got a page there, The Media Bias. You've got a Twitter, At The Media Bias. Oh, we've got pages on Facebook too Movies Bias, Games Bias, TV Bias. You can send us an email at The at gmail.com. You can find us on iTunes and any other podcasting app. And if you'll give us a rating, that helps out a lot. We appreciate it. Um, reach out to us that way. Uh, we would like to give a special thanks to the Willow Walkers for the intro. You're welcome. Walkers. Thank you, El Walkers, and special thanks to Burifa. Your show this past weekend was great. Thanks, Burifa.
2: Yes, we had so much fun. <laughs> um,
1: and that's gonna do it for us. Bye. Kicking rocks down old dusty roads. Small towns, slow pokes. Long time ago. Kicking out records of all the things that i know
0: all the things that i
2: know. but 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 whatever you think. but 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 whatever you think. but 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 per <laughs> 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 wow <laughs> wow per <laughs> per <Wow. laughs> <Wow. laughs>